0: Amen. Well, this morning, it's our celebration for Christmas. We want to get you prepared for Christmas. It's coming Wednesday, and I really felt that I wanted to share with you about Christmas angst. Christmas angst. I don't know if anybody has any angst at Christmas time, but it can be very troubling for a lot of people. So Christmas angst, look at your pocketbook. You figured you spent too much. You didn't have to get anything for me this year. It's okay. I don't want to add to your angst. But holidays can be pretty tough, can't they? And uh, I I just want to take the Christmas story and let you know that God's working it. There's so much angst in Christmas. But when we think about the baby Jesus and Mary and Joseph and the angels and the wise men and the shepherd, we hear pretty music, we hear soft songs, we think, it's so beautiful, it's so wonderful. But I want to take you there and remind you of all the angst that they went through when Jesus was being born and when God's doing something how many of you know that when God moves sometimes it creates more problems for for you than when he doesn't move isn't that right right and so we tell people accept Jesus and everything will be great and in reality it's accept Jesus and you're going to fall apart man he's going to dissect you your world's coming apart but you'll be better for it we'll be better for it and so with our Christmas angst I just want to uh uh, have you join in with me say this with me God's working it it. all right so if you've got Christmas angst I want you to remember one thing this season God's working it all right all right so some of you remember the good old days when you got together with back as kids and Christmas was all good right we have these warm fuzzy feelings maybe some people have warm fuzzy feelings at Christmas not everybody does Right? Not everybody has this picturesque, beautiful scene here of mom and dad and kids celebrating Christmas. I wonder what these two girls are saying underneath their breath and how, long, how well they're getting along together today. I mean, this is really more what uh, Christmas <laughs> tends to be like. A lot of angst, a lot of shopping, a lot of trouble, people hoarding, people trying to find their way. This is trouble, isn't it? I spent, I spent 10 minutes in a store yesterday finding what I needed, and 45 minutes in line. Yeah. Well, it's nice. We had a lot of good conversation with the people around us. But it gets crazy. How about those gifts that you never really wanted? So you're re-gifting them this year to somebody else? Huh? And then sometimes Christmas isn't all that good for people. There's a lot of angst. This is the season that there's supposed to be joy, there's supposed to be peace, there's supposed to be hope. But for a lot of folks, it's not. It's quite the opposite. It points out to them how lonely they are, how separated they are, and how broken their families are. And so we've got to bring a real presence of Christ in every situation and let people know what? God's working it. God's working it. So let me take you to some of the first situations we find in the Gospel of Luke and in the Gospel of Matthew. They fill out what Mark didn't present in his Gospel, and they tell us about the birth situation. So in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, we start seeing a a scene that's taking place at the temple. There are people, Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, they're married and they've been married many years, they're probably in their close to being 50 years old. The reason I say that is because Zechariah is serving in the temple. They chose lots. He is a Levite. He ministers as a priest at the temple of God. And they chose lots, and it was his turn to go light the incense in the holy place. Quite an amazing opportunity to go into the holy place. Now, if he was older than 50, according to the book of uh, Deuteronomy or Leviticus, he, he would no longer serve as a priest. So we're figuring he's still serving as a priest. Must be around 50 or so, right? That means his wife, she's close to 50 as well. They wanted a baby really bad, and they didn't have a baby. There's some Christmas angst right there. Some of you are, are really struggling with that. And, and trying to figure out what to do with that, and praying to God, and so they don't have a child, and so as Zechariah is going into the holy place, now he's moving into the holy place, not the holy of holies, but the holy place, and he's lighting the incense of the candle, and as he's lighting it, all of a sudden, you ever sense when someone's, someone's watching you? You ever, like there's someone there, you know? like when you're sleeping and your dog puts his face like right in your face and you realize someone's looking at you. This angel just showed up and he's like, dude. And he's scared to death and, and this and that. And guess who it is, angel of Christmas. It's Gabriel, Gabriel. He gets to announce to everybody what's going on all, all along. So he goes to Zachariah and he goes, hey, don't be afraid. Your prayers have been heard. See, he had been praying. How many years you figure he had been praying, right? Usually you get married, Jewish boys and girls, they get married around 17, 18, 15, 16, right? And they've been married how many years, praying for a child, praying for a child, praying for a child. And, and uh, uh, you know what? We don't understand the timing of everything, but the angel says your prayers have been heard Your wife's going to have a baby, and this baby's going to be a Nazarite. Don't have this baby. Drink alcohol. Don't have this baby. This and that. Don't cut it and all. And this baby's going to be something else and all that. And he goes, what? Now, how's that supposed to happen? And he says, oh, it's going to happen. And because you doubted, shut your mouth. zip Zechariah's mouth was duct taped shut and he could say nothing so he comes out of there and can you imagine his wife can you and the others are like what's up what happened what's something happened look at your eyes y'all and he's going "Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm." can you imagine if you were muted from the good things of God We can't let the world put duct tape on our mouth about Jesus Christ. We can't be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But how many of us have this good news in us, have this testimony, and we don't talk? We don't declare the good things of God. Something's wrong with that. All right? Now, the angel shut his mouth. Can you imagine? He's supposed to tell his wife, you're going to get pregnant, baby. And he can't talk to her. So it says she does conceive And that they're going to have a child. And he can't tell his wife about this baby. He can't tell her he saw an angel. I mean, did he do like three? What is that game? Charades. Did he do charades? I won't even get into all the hand motions that are involved in this. Can you imagine all that? He can't explain it to her. She doesn't understand what's happening. All she knows is she is finally pregnant. And so she decides to stay in the house for four months so no one can see her. So can you imagine what everybody's saying? Zechariah can't talk. And what happened to Elizabeth? What's going on here in this house? And so they don't know what's going on. Have you ever had an experience where you just don't know what to do with what God gave you? You don't know how to process all this. You don't know what to say, what to do. Your prayers have been heard, but yet you're being scolded. Now, here's here's the important thing. Now, because Zechariah could not talk, according to the book of Leviticus, if a priest is mute or deaf, he cannot function in the temple. So now Zacharias is unemployed great, my wife's finally pregnant and I lost my job. Does that sound familiar to some of you? Where the blessings come, all sorts of problems get created. So he stays home to deal with his wife. She's now close to 50 with morning sickness. That's working out really good. Aren't the blessings of God great? That's what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm trying to put out there. We have sugar-coated the gospel and the experiences in Jesus so much that when you're going through a hard time, you don't want to tell anybody at church. Because somebody else tells a a testimony about, God answered my prayers and did this, and you're going like, what's wrong with me? But in all reality, most of the time, the things God does in our life create more problems. And it's tough to get through, but there's a reason for it. And how many of you need to tell everybody this? God's working it. God was working it for Elizabeth and Zechariah. She was pregnant. He, God heard their prayers, but this is what God's working. God waited, as Paul says, till the fullness of time. He found a priest who was ready to have a son. He held back the birth of this child in Elizabeth and Zechariah because he had to wait for Mary and Joseph to come along and get engaged into their situation and to where this priest was going to be a fulfillment of Malachi and the prophecy of Elijah, his son coming in the spirit of Elijah. And God was orchestrating the heavens and the earth for this entire scene. They didn't know that. They couldn't comprehend all of what God's doing. And don't think it's any smaller in your situation and with your life. The answers to your prayers have impact in the timing of God for you and your generations after you. And we had to wait for other situations to come into place and to fit into God's divine order. But we don't see that. We only hear our wife puking in the other room and you can't say a thing to comfort her. But you got to let each other know what? God's working it. Split the scene over here. Let's follow Gabriel. He comes to a young virgin. Her name's Miriam. As he flies over to Miriam, she's maybe 14, 15 years old. And the, he, she's engaged to a man named Joseph, local carpenter guy. And uh, she's thrilled about that. And uh, it's a, an arranged marriage. And not only arranged by the parents but also arranged by God for she is a direct descendant to King David just so happens so is Joseph and so she's laying in bed and Gabriel appears and says Mary I've got some great news for you and she's stunned wow there's an angel in my room and he says you're going to have a child now, she says, how's this going to happen? But it's not of the same attitude as Zechariah. The reason Zechariah, he, he had been praying and praying and praying and praying for a child. Mary had not. So, so as he was praying for a child and God said, we heard your prayers, you're going to have a child. He's going like, what? No. That's pure doubt. Mary's question, how could this be? I've not known a man. I'm a virgin. That's her testimony. And so he explains that God, by his Holy Spirit, will overshadow her and implant the seed within her, and she shall have a baby. Hallelujah. Everybody's been waiting for Messiah. She is the chosen vessel by which Messiah is going to come. This is good news. Now she's got to tell her betrothed. So they get together, and she says, Joe, I've got some news for you. an angel of God came into my room and I am with child. An angel. I don't know who came into your room, but you're pregnant, woman. Can you imagine his world collapsing? Who did I get engaged to? What is this? Now, I know that you all have sanctified minds, (laughs) righteous and holy. You would never think anything bad of your mate. But he's really, really wondering, are you really going to give me this story? Are you really going to tell me that an angel and that you're, you're pregnant with the Son of God? I'm supposed to buy this? It says in Luke that he was so full of angst and distress that he had made the decision. And this is what shows us. He loved her so much because he could have exposed the fact that she was pregnant by which she would then be cast out of the community and potentially stoned to death. But he didn't want to do that to the woman he loved, though she betrayed him, as is his mind thinks. For a one-night stand, for some stint, you dirty, you, ugh, fine. And he's going to put her away because when you're betrothed in, in Judaism, it was just like marriage. You were for each other bound. It Basically, it should be that way in <laughs> any situation when you're engaged to someone. And, and he said, I'm going to put you away quietly. I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to do anything. I'm just not going to marry you. And he's walking away from it, figuring, well, it's going to show up anyways, what her actions did. So he goes to bed in all of his angst. See, again, when God had called you out of your family, when God called you uh, from everybody else in your class at school, when God called you from the neighborhood, when God called you... It, it seemed like it was amazing that you came to a knowledge, a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. But how many of you found that once you got saved, it caused you some trouble? That when God got you saved, it created a split between you and your family or your siblings or other ones. Can I see some hands on this? Did it create some trouble? Okay, so you know what I'm talking about. So you can imagine. And so Joseph goes to sleep, and as Joseph goes to sleep... Guess who shows up in his dream? Joe. Listen. Mary's telling you the truth. Now, for me, I would have needed more than a dream. Right? I, you know, a dream's nice. I want full, sunny afternoon, angel shows up, I want like a thousand angels to show up. I want to be fully convinced here. I want, you know, skyrocket, don't show up in my dream. That could have been me thinking that. But he does. He shows up, so he must have realized this is something. He tells him this is true. This is really going to happen. Mary is really pregnant with Messiah, the son of the living God. Woo-hoo! Okay. I guess I'll marry her. But that means now I gotta raise this kid. I'm supposed to raise the Son of God, the Messiah of Israel, in which everybody's been waiting, been waiting for. Who am I to raise this kid? So, how about you with the responsibility of winning souls to the Lord? How about you with having the seed of life in you and the words of the gospel and you being responsible to win souls? If you don't, they'll go to hell. Do you have some angst over your calling? I hope you do. I hope we all do. I hope we are all a little bit troubled that we have not been carrying the seed of Christ well enough to preach to the lost. Those friends at work, those friends in the neighborhood, your family, I'm sorry to tell you, but if they don't know Jesus, they're going to spend eternity in hell. There's angst that comes with our salvation because our eyes have now been opened to the eternal fact of heaven and hell. And so Joseph says, All right, I'm in. We're going to do this. And what did he find out? God's working it. Mary is pregnant, by God. And now, he's going to care for her. All of a sudden, being two backwoods people out of a little hick town, Nazareth, they realize and become fully aware that both their lineages come from King David. They are the legal and royal heirs of the throne of David. One through the line of Solomon, one through the line of the other kid. I can't remember his name. And there's a royal lineage and a legal lineage that each of them belongs to the throne of David. And that they are born in, that this child, and they live in Nazareth. Nazareth is sprout. It means sprout town. And it says that out of the stump of Jesse, a Nazareth shall grow. That Nazareth is a branch. And so they recognized, they were called, they were chosen by God. And now they're not just some nobody, they are in fact a somebody. God's working it. And all of you thought you were a nobody, but you're a somebody. Because God has a purpose for you. God aligned you every day in the right place, in the right way, to the right people that God ordained for you to be there. You're no longer a nobody. You are a somebody in the kingdom of God because God's working a plan out and you're part of it. You are valuable to God. God is working it. God is making this thing happen. Then we see... Mary needs to get out of Nazareth. She's starting to show. So it's best for her, again, with all the scuttlebutt and all this amazing, wonderful information, I don't think anybody's buying it. (laughs) Mary, go visit Aunt Elizabeth. So Mary goes to her Aunt Elizabeth, and Elizabeth's been cloistered, hiding in her house, and Mary and her come together. And when Mary approaches Elizabeth, something happens In Elizabeth's stomach, she goes, "Woo, glory to God!" John the Baptist is shouting already. She didn't know what to call him yet because Zachariah he still can't talk. He couldn't can't get in on this. So Mary comes and Elizabeth says, wow, bless it out there, Mary. And what happens when people are in the know to God's purposes and plans, they begin to prophesy. They begin to get stirred in the spirit of God. That's why we come to church. That's why we gather together, because you're all pregnant with the future and hope of God and his possibilities. There should be prophecy. There should be exaltation. There should be singing. There should be songs. That's what happens when the people of God gather together. Mary having the seed of Messiah in her and uh, uh, Elizabeth having the prophets and the greatest prophet within her. They begin to prophesy. Elizabeth begins to prophesy. Mary begins to prophesy. And they begin singing this prophetic song and this powerful declaration of what's going to happen through uh, Elizabeth's womb and her child and Mary's womb and her child and that's why we gather together here we need each other they're going through it they don't they, they don't even know yet what is to come of what they still have to go through because God has blessed them you and I don't know what is yet to come because God has blessed us I thought it was all primrose and, and flowers and wonderful. Yeah. No, really, God will heal every sickness, every disease. He'll f- wipe away every t- everything. It'll be great. But you'll never grow. You'll never grow strong in faith, and you'll never grow to reach other people if you don't go through the things you're going through. Elizabeth had no idea how long she would live, and Zachariah, how long would they live to care for their baby boy, eventually known as John. They had no idea he was a Baptist. (laughs) Jewish parents raising a Baptist son. Were they still around when he took off into the wilderness, when he lived and ate? Could you imagine a Jewish mother? Who dressed you like this? What are you wearing that for? Cut your hair. What are you doing eating them bucks, those locusts in it? What is this? Did I treat you like this? Can you imagine? You don't know. What he, and then were they alive when they knew that God called John to be the greatest prophet of all, only to have his head chopped off? Is this all the plan of God? And Mary as well hid all these things in her heart. Did she know that when she was going to have that baby, did she understand what the end result was? No. And neither do we understand all that's in our calling. But God isn't going to give you all the information. He is going to give you the prophetic significance of who you are and what you need to do and how you need to be available. And God is going to use you if you're willing But many of us quit on God because we've heard promises, and we've heard prayers, and we've read our Bible, and it doesn't seem to be happening, and when nothing is happening the way we want it to, we give up on God. And the Christmas story is about a lot of people who received all the promises and had to go through hell. Can I get real with you? And So we need to get together with other people who understand what it is to walk the hard war- road of Jesus Christ. Mary and Elizabeth come together, outcasts in their own villages, and come together and begin to praise and worship God together. That's what this church does. We lift each other up. We encourage each other. Please, please, when someone's down and out, when someone's struggling, when they're fighting their sickness, their disease, when they're trying to get through what they're going through, please don't come up to them and say, obviously, you don't have enough faith. Come on. We're here to begin prophesying over each other endure God is going to bring you through and and God is the strength that you need he's your high tower run into the name of Jesus and be safe I'm here with you and if you don't have enough strength I'll lift up your arms like Aaron and her lifted up Moses's arms and so Mary and Elizabeth have a time together in the Holy Ghost saying I don't know what's coming but it's glorious and they end up figuring one thing out God's working it. God's working it. Yes, he is. So Mary comes back uh, close to the time where she's going to give birth, and she finds out from Joseph, look, Mary, uh, this wasn't my decision. But there's been a decree that came down from the Roman government and that every citizen has to go back, every Jewish person has to go back to the town of their heritage. You and I were both from David and the tribe of David. We have to go back to Bethlehem. Now? I'm nine months. But God's working it. God's getting them out of Nazareth, small little town, a lot of gossip, a lot of trouble. He takes them out. But they got to travel. Now, if I was called of God, I would think. That he would pave the way on smooth roads, providing pillows and cushions. Because I'm blessed and highly favored of God. He wants me to prosper. But what does he, and how does he want you to prosper? He wants you to prosper in the obedience to God. And to know that you fulfilled his purposes. So, he's going to put all of us on a journey, and it's not going to be comfortable. And we're going to complain and we're going to grumble. But God's got a reason to do what he's doing. And so, he takes them on a journey. Because, again, you got to get this thing all meted out in the right timing. Because as they're starting to go on their journey, they're in the cosmos, in the uh, universe, God has chosen a star to brightly shine and come out at the right time and over the right astrological, uh, astronomical, whatever it is, in a sky thing, over Israel. Fill in the blank with the right answer. Right? I mean, he's working heaven and earth in this thing so that as they're moving, now a star's moving. He's working it. And as they go, they end up in Bethlehem. Now, when they get into Bethlehem, guess what they find out? It's crowded there. There's, now, you talk about in Jerusalem, they're prepared for feast days when people come in from all the other places and, and have to come three times a year to the temple for sacrifice. They have that. Not in little Bethlehem. This little town's not prepared for all these people to come in. And so they come in. They can't find a room anywhere. Can we sleep at your house tonight? No, get out. We're full. How about here? I'd love to. Look at you. Yeah, okay. No, can't. You're too much trouble. You gotta, uh, this isn't going to work. So what God does in all of the calling and the beauty and the splendor, the king of kings, lord of lords, is going to be born in the earth. They can't find a place to stay. They end up in a manger, which is basically a donkey stall. They go out where the cows and the sheep and everything is with the hay. And and it sounds horrible and it sounds terrible, but the other option is they would have had to room, probably Mary laying in a bed with four or five other women, to crowd in and the men laying on the floor and her giving birth in the middle of that. No, sometimes the out of the way place, sometimes the, the, the curve in the way that God has sent you and the thing that seems so bad is actually a provision of God. But we can't see it, we can't see it. And so they get the privacy and they get the quality of a quality install. They, they stay in a hay place where they're all alone, and this baby can be born without anybody else seeing and knowing. And so, what seems to be the problem ends up to be something good. Besides, they have to go to Bethlehem because not only, now get this, because again, God is what? Working it. So she's nine months pregnant, doesn't feel like riding a donkey or walking from Nazareth The Bethlehem, but God starts the journey, and He in the cosmos gets a star to be released and to begin shining, and He also gets the head of the Roman Empire to issue an edict to the Jews and to make all this mechanism happen. And that's what God's doing in your life. Ah, Pastor, you don't know my life. My life is dull, my life is boring. I don't do much. I go to work and I come home. Oh, but God's got more for you to do. God has so much for all of us to do. We are underestimating how God's working our lives. And we are not living up to the full potential of all that God has for us. In fact, the prophecy this morning was, I opened the door for all these gifts for you. Come and take. But you don't know how many gifts you need till you start using them. Right? You don't know you need a hammer till you come to a nail that needs to be pounded in. You don't know you need a screwdriver till you see that the screw's loose. I'll leave that alone. <laughs> you, don't need, you, don't, you don't know you need a saw until you realize this board needs to be cut. Right? See, you don't know you need tongues because you're entering into a time right now that you need to begin praying mysteries unto God through the Spirit for, to get through the season you're going to go through. You don't know that you need the anointing of laying on of hands for the sick because you're going to enter into a situation where there are going to be many people sick and they need you. Do you understand what I'm saying? God's working it in your life just as he did with theirs, and he's bringing it all together. And then, of course, we've got the wise guys. You can't forget about these guys. These wise guys were called, they're not even believers in Yahweh. They're from Iraq or Iran. They're astronomers, they're watching the stars, and what they begin to map out in their uh, watching of the stars is there is one that has been moving, uniquely shining brighter than the others. They see a sign in the heavens, and they begin to realize this is a very important sign because according to the ancient mystics, that when a star shines like that, a great person of world renown is being born somewhere. They begin to follow it. Guess where it takes them? They go, hey, they're going over Israel. This thing's over Israel. This is awesome. There's a star over Israel right now. Hey, let's inquire. So where do you go? Israel's capital. They go to Jerusalem, and they see King Herod. Herod, awesome. Show us the king. What you talking about? There's a star. We know that there's going to be a place where a great king will be born. Herod looks at his wise men. He says, how come I don't know about this? Find out. So they go back to the scripture and go, oh, yeah, it's Bethlehem. Says it right here. Well, why didn't, how come nobody told me? Uh, yeah, we, we don't read the word that often. <laughs> we haven't been paying attention. So they go, and Herod says, look, it, when you find out whatever's going on, let me know. I'd love to come worship with them. Isn't it interesting that none of them, of the Jews, even bothered to go? Yeah. None of them could care less. How many of you have witnessed to your family and to your friends and have you told people over and over, you're going to meet with them at Christmas, they're going to avoid you as much as they can because you're really a pain in the butt telling them about Jesus yeah. and, and they ignore you and they've seen the change in your life, they've seen the manifestation of God, they've seen all this and they're just, I ain't going. Life's good here. So they go, they find the baby, they worship, they find and they bring gifts, and as they bring gifts to this baby, they bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh, traditional things from their country, they have no understanding of what it all means, and they are awestruck as they approach this child. By this time, he's living in a house in Bethlehem. And uh, it's somewhere between a year and two years after this baby's born that they come into Bethlehem and find him in a house. The reason we know that is because once Herod finds out, he sends troops to kill every baby how old? Two years and younger, because he remembers when they first came. And so they find him, they give him the gifts, they worship him and they leave. And God's working it, amen? Amen. But, how well is God working it, in your opinion? Because what's going to happen at this point is Gabriel shows up to Mary and Joseph and says, you got to go. you got to get out of here. What are you talking about? This is awesome. We had some shepherds come. There was an angel army singing songs. It was awesome. Then these wise guys came, man, royal people, right? They brought us gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is cool. I, I, isn't there going to be like some great reception? D- did you want us to go to Jerusalem? Is that where you want us to go? Because we're going to present this baby, right? And they do present Jesus in the temple. And they said, no, you got to go because Herod is going to do what? Kill this child. How could you do this? How many of you know that there is an enemy of your soul that is trying to kill, steal, and destroy everything God planted into your life? He's trying to kill your joy, kill the hope, kill the promise of Jesus. The minute you got saved, you got a target on your back by an enemy. He didn't have to worry about you before. He just fed you scraps of the world and you used to chew on that. But now that you're saved, He wants to kill you. Now, how are they going to go? Where are they going to go? How are they going to get there? We don't have any cash. Oh, wait a minute. We've got gold, frankincense, and myrrh to live in Egypt until Herod dies. So that when we come out of Egypt, we will again fulfill prophecy that says the Son of God shall come out of Egypt, back to Nazareth town. Again, every step of the way, prophetically called out by God through history, every player brought in from the world government, from the solar system, from all different areas, making all this happen so perfectly, so accurately, and in the middle of it, there's trouble on every side, but God keeps them in front of it and through it so that Christ would be glorified. So how's your Christmas going? Some of you came in hearing the carolers. Good job, carolers. Beautiful thing. Amen. They did good. And you come into a gathering of people who seem to have it all together. Everybody here is so much better off than you are. They're so amazing. You watch them worship, and you wish you could worship like that with such passion, with such vigor. But your life stinks. It's been hard. It's going south quick. And you're trying to provide enough to have a good enough Christmas and a good enough time and an okay thing. But it's straining you out, stressing you to the max. I'm just here to tell you that's pretty normal. Because it was no different for Mary, Joseph, Zechariah, and Elizabeth. Oh, by the way, once Zechariah and Elizabeth had their son, they were going to put the name down and call him Zechariah. And Elizabeth said, no, 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 we're going to call him John. So I'm thinking Zechariah probably wrote it down for her. And they said, oh, I'm sorry, we're going to name him after uh, your husband. That's proper Jewish tradition. And just then, Zechariah's like, Let's go. So they give him a tablet. He writes down, John. And they said, all right, we're naming him John. And out of Zechariah's mouth, it opens up, and he begins to prophesy the goodness of God and his provisions for the world. So the enemy's been trying to mute you and to trouble you and to bring anxiety. There has been trauma. Two-year-old babies, they believe in a town the size of Bethlehem that potentially there could have been 10 to 18 babies killed. It's a small town. But still, God, you would allow an enemy to kill these babies. There still is free will by humans to do evil. How many of you have found out and figured out God doesn't stop every act of evil? Does that minimize God's sovereignty and power? No. He had given free will to man. Evil has free reign when men choose. Does that cause you to quit on God? My word to you is this this morning. God's working it. I don't know what you're going through, what you've been through, or what you're going to go through, but you need to know one thing. God is working it out in your life. God is going to make His will prosper for you. And you may have to struggle, but if you will hold on to your faith, you will find the goodness of God.